Hello and welcome back to another episode of Going Through the Motions with me, Callum. And me, Alex. How's it going, guys? The podcasting equivalent of a basic equation. A basic equation? Can you give me an example? No. Is <laughs> a, a basic equation like two times two? That's a basic equation. Yeah. Or is, that's all. That's all we it, are. Nice or, and simple, straightforward. Or, is, or, is a ba- or does it, does there have to be x's and y's and things involved? A couple of x's, like, find, maybe a y. Mm-hmm. Yeah, find x. It's there. It was always there. Yeah. Spoiler alert: x is this podcast. <laughs> it's there exactly. How have you been since I last seen you? I've got a really nice image of your chin right now. Oh, fabulous. Well, I think mm-hmm. it's because I, want, I wanted to see a bit more of the room, so I changed the... I propped something up behind the iPad stand so you could have a bit bit better view of the room. Ah, but, yeah, is, it that, is it that box of fire damage mannequins that we found in the alley? Is that yeah, what yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, it's good I that mean, you're getting I told, you, that. I told you at the time I'd find mm. some good use for it, but oh, no, yeah. I, I'm much, much happier today Callum, and Fantastic. I will tell you for why. You won a bit of money at that dogfight that I, I did. You out the other I night. did not. It's much more exciting than that. It's much more okay, exciting. Okay, go for than it. That. Nice. The temperature has dropped, and I can it has it's dropped. Again. That's right. Uh, in the words of uh, the singer that once sung, "I'm at the right temperature." That was actually written about the summer heat wave in 2020 in London. Did you know that? Really, I, mm. I didn't. I didn't get that song. I didn't get. No, no. I didn't get I'll that audio going. cue. I'll do more. Fantastic. Yeah, you, yeah. More. you, you, are you still a trifle deaf after that time that that nurse punched you outside Waitrose? Is that? Still... I thought that was you. <laughs> no, okay. Fair. You said that. I've got a fun little story anecdote for you if you oh, want to on. listen to it. Are you ready to listen to it? I am ready to listen. Put to your it. listening face on because you have your listening face yet. Is this somewhat? To do with uh, could this could this link into our segment of shit what we see on the tube? It is shit what or we no. see near the tube station that I live near. I'll count it. I'll, I'll count <laughs> okay. that. In the general vicinity I'll count that. of it. Uh, uh, hello, listeners. Welcome to our famous segment, shit what we see near the, <laughs> near tube, the tube station that where we live. If you gave me a medium to light ball and I threw that medium to light ball, it would have hit said tube station. So it was quite close. Yeah, exactly. As I said, yeah, we were there. We were there. I was uh, decided to go to the butchers near us because I wanted to get a bit of quality beef for my belly later on for dinner. And uh, I didn't want to go to like the standard Tesco's and get a kind of vacuum packed sealed thing. Not yep. since that time. Well, well, I don't want to talk about it that time with the vacuum sealer. But I wanted to try and go to this nice butcher's because it's a nice local place. Bloody hell, it's busy. It's always busy. You know the one. Yeah, I do I know. The, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. I do know the one. Last time we were there, it was a hot, sweltering day, and there was a line all the way down down the street. Like, I mean, mm. to be fair. Everyone's trying to social distance, so queues always look a mm. lot longer than they a lot longer, maybe are. Exactly. But still, I'd say it was pretty rammed. Uh, yeah, but I still think it's, you know, and I stand by what I said. It was utterly wrong of you to run down that queue high-fiving every single one of them. There's a pandemic, Alex. There's a time and a place. I know it was particularly, le- it was definitely a lot worse of me, the fact that I wasn't high-fiving there. I was just, like, slapping them on their arses. That's it. Any, at any point of them, yeah. yeah. You slapped that one man on the elbow. He had no idea what was going on. Yeah, he didn't. I think you would have had a better reception if you'd kept your shirt on. But, you know, you do your own way, I guess. That's your... Well, I mean, <laughs> you, you say that. I, I say yeah. I have a cracking bod and I want to show it off. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. And is that tattoo going to get removed at any point soon? Or is there uh, any I'm news from that it. one? I'm growing, growing into it. I'm growing into it. Growing into Excellent. It. Excellent. Cool. If you continue to shave the hair around it, it'll fashion it into some sort of nice mannequin sort of yeah, head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice sort of the wig. That's the plan. Was, that's the plan. Exactly. Yeah, cool. 
Um, but I was standing in said queue, and it was nice, and it was a sort of nice day. I was listening to some listening to some fun new albums, which I'm sure we'll talk about in moving forward. And uh, all of a sudden, a pigeon flew into the window of the estate agent next door to it, and it just went right into it. Yeah. Bounced off the glass screen and hit a man on the head who was standing in the queue. Uh, the so pigeon did. Utter, the pigeon did. Yeah, out of it. I know. Yeah, I know exactly. Well, you know, it didn't didn't distance, but it, it was amazing. Like just the noise of that hit, and it hit the, the pavement. And um, poor thing, it was it was utterly rattled. Didn't know where, what, where, where it was. And uh, and of course, the man is kind of like understood. So the woman who was behind him in the queue had to explain to him what had just happened to him, because obviously you don't see a pigeon when it hits you on the back of the head. And bless her, she offered him some hand sanitizer. So he's sanitizing his hands, but also sanitizing the bald spot where the pigeon hit him. Oh, my which days. Is, which is quite funny. That is quite um, funny. But the woman who was uh, who worked in the estate agents next door came out because obviously she heard the racket when it hit the window. Yeah. And so she came out and she was checking on it. And of course, there was a bit of pandemonium. And at that point, I was like, oh, I'll let them deal with this. But I'll fucking watch it slyly at the corner of my eye. Mm-hmm. She went in and got a box. And in the in an effort to try and I guess like put it into a box and make sure that I, I don't know, do, do you call the RSPCA for a for a street pigeon? No. Like where, do, where do you draw the line? You just let it go, I suppose, don't you? Maddie yeah. is convinced that any animal there's like it's the Hippocratic oath of a vet. But I don't know. Maybe I mean I I, maybe, I don't yeah. I neither know nor care enough really. Mm, no, <laughs> you don't have that. You don't have that book of uh, bird law under your under your bed anymore. You no, I don't. Of it, the the most personal interaction I ever had with a pigeon was uh, trying to usher one out of the door of the restaurant what we both worked at. Oh, at I remember point, that. Yes, in our, yes. In our lives. Fantastic. Um, well, there was, it, was, you... it was it was sitting behind a barrel and mm. this wee 12 year old boy was <laughs> called, well, it was called drunk, me over. Wasn't it? Called it was me drunk. over. Yeah, it was. And call, called Sorry, me over and he was like, excuse me, there's a pigeon behind the barrel. And I was like, he's a 12-year-old boy. I'm like, no, there's no. <laughs> there's, well, don't shout having, too loudly or everyone will want one. They're having me on. I'm like, oh, really? Is there is there a pigeon behind the barrel? <laughs> and he's, I was like, probably giving it the patter. And, and he was like, no, honestly, there's a pigeon behind the barrel. And I'm like, listen, when I look behind this barrel and there's no pigeon, you and I are going to have words. And then, and then I look behind the barrel. I look behind the barrel and then this pigeon just just turns its head up at me i'm like oh, bloody hell the 12 year old's like look dickhead there's yes, a pigeon look, under this barrel <laughs> where's look, my food the customer's always right when i say there's a <laughs> pigeon behind a barrel there's a bloody pigeon behind the barrel so this this estate agent came out and she ushered the pigeon into the box but the pigeon wasn't having any of it it didn't want to go into this box it was like don't make me go in that box man don't make me go i could i've seen this before anyway uh, but by by proxy she managed to usher it inside the estate agent so the poor thing hobbled inside sat under a chair uh, and she got it some water, and I mean, long story short, it now is the proud owner of a two-bedroom in Kensington. So you know, it was, oh, lovely. A, it was a good ending. Charming, charming. We are a music and movies podcast. Each week, we will discuss some of our more favourite movies with some of our more amazing and um, illustrative composers from a full back catalogue of different styles of movies, and that we'll flip and fluff as to whether we like these composers or actually don't like these composers. And I can't tell if you actually do like Hans, Hans Zimmer or don't like Hans Zimmer, because you, once again, you did it with Dunkirk, you're doing it again today. What is going on, man? What is going on? Get that smile off your face. I will uh, I'll refuse to be called someone who paints something with like the same brush as in i'm not just gonna say because i'm not a huge fan of hans zimmer that i don't like any of his music because that's just Mm. not true my criticisms of Mm. hans zimmer are actually 
fairly fairly few the, the reason the reason i make such a huge deal of it is because i don't think he's as good as john williams and lots of people think he's the greatest film composer to have ever walked the earth or or composer full stop and that's where and that's where mm. i take issue and also the fact that Parts of the Caribbean is essentially just a sequel to Gladiator. Like honestly, have you Gladiator, listened to the yeah. have, you, have you listened yeah. to the soundtrack side by side? Yeah, I know no, I have, I have, I have. Yeah, they're identical. And um, but no, we are talking today about Man of Steel, aren't we? Woo. The, yes, we are. Yes, the first movie of the DC Extended Universe. And spoiler alert: we're gonna go through all of these. I've decided. Uh. Blooming it. Well, they're yours. I don't think we're going to do one next week. I've no, got, no, no, I've got, no, 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 no. We're not going to do. We're not. We're not going to do them in consecutive weeks. I have we a might fun not even, idea. We might. We might not even do every other week. But well, I think we might because I've got a fun idea. Because I've got a fun little trilogy that I might do in between them, so we can intertwine together like two snakes dueling to the uh, sex. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I got got a weird. Decided to throw got, you off there. Yeah. yeah got got a weird quickly, but okay, I'll go with it. But yeah, the snakes don't actually kill each other. You know, a snake, one snake has never killed another snake ever. I got told that by a man on the tube station once. He was a bit junk, but I believe him. Okay. <laughs> Very now, good. Now, what year was this filmed? Ooh. Not released. Not released. Not 2013? Before. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I've not got a fact related to that. I just wanted to throw you off there. Oh, you just wanted I, to ask me a question to make sure I was on it, <laughs> which I'm not, clearly. Exactly. <laughs> which I'm not, clearly. Uh, but directed no. by Zack Snyder and That's movie right. music score composed by Hans Zimmer That's and right. some contributions from mm. said Junkie XL. That's right. And also contributions from Mr. Nolan himself, which I remember was back in 2013 when this was released was actually quite a selling point for this movie, believe it or not, fresh off The Dark Knight. Well, it was. I mean, they really, I mean, obviously the Dark Knight trilogy was the most critically successful superhero like outing in modern times at the time. I think it probably still is. Critically... Daredevil did, did, did pretty well. <laughs> yeah, followed fair. by Electra. <laughs> fair, absolutely fair. Blade two. Blade two. Yeah. Blade two. Yeah. So Christopher Nolan had a <laughs> production credit to this movie yeah. and and a screenplay writing credit. Yeah. As yeah. well, actually. So he did have a bit of a hand in this, and it would have been because of the Dark Knight. Now we know through hindsight and from where the DC extended universe has gone, that it was only that movie that Mm. he had a hand in. Mm. And that is where it began. And that is where it ended as far as Christopher Nolan is concerned. But could you see his, his signature in the movie? Because we watched this together the other night, didn't we? We did. Yeah, we did. This is the first time in a while that you and I have sat down and you know, sat down and cuddled and watched a movie together. Absolutely, in, 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 quite, got, in quite some time. Got the duvet out. Mm-hmm. Got the futon out. Got the futon out. Yeah, <laughs> the futon. The feet on the futon, which was mm-hmm. which was. Remember, we joked about that. We we were rolling around on that joke. The feet on the futon. Oh, we kept good. saying it every time one of us said it. The other one would start laughing. Goodness, what a day! Uh, but no, yeah, we sat and watched this. I don't think in answering your question, I couldn't. I don't think I could have spotted Nolan's stamp in any particular scene, sequence, tone. I mean, maybe some of the earlier sequences, I guess, when the kind of... I guess what what Nolan 
has done in certain movies is he's kind of cho- I think I think there was elements if you watch the prestige and the the kind of semi montage piece where Hugh Jackman and uh oh, I totally forgot the other actor that's in that Christian Bale kind of were were kind of going backwards and forwards trying to outdo each other yeah. with the the magic I got elements of that style of montage from the prestige in the initial parts of the film where you were seeing Clark Kent, Superman, sure, sure. as it were, kind of cut up in the different pieces, you know, like log truck scene, for example, oil rig scene, for example, school bus. And that kind of, that that kind of like just throwing ideas onto the screen in no real order, but kind of using them to paint the picture of uh, his upbringing in some of the more, um, I guess, like, uh, for lack of a better word, um I guess more sort of like drastic scenes uh, times in his life growing up as a, as a youth in Smallville and stuff. Yeah. But I would say that's the only time that I really noticed a kind of Nolan-esque touch. Is that yeah. what you're asking? No, I, yes, absolutely. That's what I was asking. And I think you're right. I don't see much of Nolan's style filmmaker. I'm not, I, I don't think his writing is necessarily as obvious as his visual style and his directing mm. style. Mm. And I think the reason that you can't see much of it in this movie is obviously because Zack Snyder was behind the camera. Now, Zack Snyder has made many movies over the years, all of various degrees of quality. Mm. Mm. But one thing you do have to say is he is definitely like an author. I don't have to. And you keep making me say, it. I don't actually have to do it. You don't, you don't have to, but I'm just... Let me rephrase that. Well, I might I'll ask <laughs> if you agree with me. I'll ask if you agree with me. I believe that Zack Snyder is an author and he's an art and he's an artist and he has a very distinct style mm. and vision for a, mm-hmm. for a lot of his movies, which is something that hit mm-hmm. or miss I very much respect. And I think that's a theme that will be carried through throughout the dc extended universe i'll Mm. i will you know spoiler alert i will keep bringing up the fact that Zack snyder took a swing on all the movies that he had uh hand in in these ones and he went and he went for a vision and he went for a tone Mm. and i don't think anyone can criticize him for actually doing that and i think Mm. it started in man of steel now, lest we forget, obviously, the run-up to Man of Steel, there was another massive Zack Snyder superhero movie that came into the fold, which I, I actually think we will probably get to at some point, which was 2009's Watchmen. Oh, which, yeah. Uh, now, it, it, it's a slightly polarising one. Uh, I'll, I'll really? Because... A polarising Zack Snyder movie? You must well, be joking. Well, um, I mean more in terms of the controversy of the creation of it. Obviously, Alan Moore is famous. Like, I mean, probably probably the most famous graphic novel, I would say, or definitely yeah. one of the, the most famous graphic novels. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and actually, it, anyone out there, if, if you're ever struggling to get a gift for someone, if you're ever struggling to get a present for, I guess, like a friend or like a, I guess, like a sister or a brother or, you know, maybe someone who's sort of like our age into our sort of things, highly, highly recommend you get the uh, the original Watchmen, the original print, the, the saga. It's You can get it for like £20 or something in Waterstones. And it's, you're, it's you're dropping hints, mate. No, no. You're I dropping got it, hints. I got it from my, I've got, I got it from my brother and my brother just loved it. And I was like, what a, like, I just, it was like a great gift. It's like a great statement gift to get someone. Sure. Um, and, I, and, I, and as a film, it was great. And Zack Snyder's mark on that was great. Now, Alan Moore, obviously for his own personal reasons, had wanted nothing to do with that film. And as yeah. all, you know, he sold the rights for a large part of it. 
Um, but I, I think that I think that Zack Snyder doing Watchmen was another reason why there was a lot of people who were very comfortable with him taking over the mantle of of Superman and specifically yep. this in Man of Steel. Yeah. And also, I think that it goes back to the Dark Knight trilogy as well, because one of the big things of the Dark Knight trilogy was it was realer and grittier and darker, more mm. serious, much, mm. much more serious. And I think that would have been a big reason why initially Warner Brothers wanted Zack Snyder to really capitalize on the seriousness because they couldn't do Marvel. No, Mar- Marvel no. was already killing it. Yeah. And they, it, it would have been wrong, no matter how many fans I see on the internet crying out for more jokes in the DC Extended Universe, they couldn't have, they, they couldn't have tried to emulate Marvel. They needed to do something different. And yeah. they did. I, can, I, can, I completely agree. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about then moving on to Hans Zimmer? Now, before, before yes. we get on there, I've got, some, I've got some interesting facts about specifically the music in this now it was interesting that we you you touched on it at the start obviously you do every week john williams was mentioned yeah absolutely the 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 interesting fact that i have first is actually to completely distinguish this film as a new film separate from the previous ones the iconic superman theme by john williams wasn't heard and this is the first warner brothers superman film not to incorporate williams's score yeah now what's your thoughts on that I think that is the best decision they ever made. The I, best, really? I okay, think that's nice. the best decision they ever made because the whole point about John Williams' Superman march and the iconic theme is that Christopher Reeves' Superman, which that theme accompanies, is a Boy Scout, right? Mm. He is nicer than nice, more heroic than anything else and i know you had a lot of you had a lot of thoughts about this movie and the early superman movie and like as an example of why you don't like superman is because mm. of inherently a lot of these reasons that he's not a relatable he's not a relatable character at all mm. he's not a relatable mm. superhero because he's just one way too powerful and mm. two you know way too good like he doesn't have personal flaws yeah and the john williams music really personifies that it really sells that aspect of the character now henry cavill's superman is not that superman no it's he is deeply deeply flawed deeply confused Mm -hmm. and go really goes through the ringer in this movie i mean Mm. you can argue that the plot of man of steel borrows heavily from superman 2 because obviously superman 2 zod um shows up escaped from the phantom zone it's basically man of steel is basically yeah. um, a much more modern remake of, of superman, superman of superman 2 but the difference being is christopher reeve had superman 1 and whole other years of honing his skills and becoming superman before he did that henry cavill henry cavill's clark kent basically became superman and learnt who he was and then 20 minutes later an army of similarly powered kryptonian shows show shows up mm-hmm. and he's like right i've got to deal with this but he's he really doesn't have the experience to do that and mm-hmm. i think that is where that that struggle even at that power level mm-hmm. is where we're able to connect with the character a bit more than we have been able to do in the past don't know what yeah. you think about that no, de- definitely. I think the strongest part of the, I guess, let's not be about the bush. Like I, 
I don't love this movie. I don't hate this movie. I think it tries to say things. I I'm happy that it does. And I also think that it's it's odd where such a one-dimensional character as Superman as far as I'm concerned has actually like there was I was surprised with the amount of depth that A Henry Cavill brought to the role and B uh Zack Snyder wrote in or 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 there there was written in for him to have. Yeah. So they they handled Superman very well. Yeah. And we, they also another thing that I liked was we didn't get Clark Kent. Another reason why I didn't really like the original Superman is the Clark Kent stuff. Like I, it, it's a part of the film, and I, and I liked the ending. Obviously, spoiler where he does become he kind of puts those iconic glasses on and he does work at the Daily Planet yeah. at the end. And of suddenly the, nobody knows show. who he is. Well, yeah, but obviously, obviously, it, Amy Adams directly like she just sees yeah, right she does through him know, at yeah. the end. And and I and I think or Lois Lane, sorry, but it, it's 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 really good. I think. They deal with Lois Lane quite well as as well, and I think we said this at the time, but I'll say it again. Amy Adams is one of the luckiest actors in the world because she's basically been cast in a very, very, you know, like typecasty style role, yeah. but she hasn't been typecast. I mean, she she's appeared as Lois Lane in two, three films in the DCEU now. Yeah, three, I think. Yeah, three. Okay, so that's three films, but. When I see Amy Adams, I don't see Lois Lane. I see Amy Adams, but which then, is brilliant. But then brilliant I don't know her. if many if many actors in in DC really suffer from that because well, I, mean, I think I, Henry Cavill has. I think he does. I think, I think he does. I think he does the most, but I don't think it's at the same level of Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. Well, no, uh, but Gal, or, Gal Gadot. Jason Momoa. Gal Gadot is Wonder Woman. Jason Momoa is Aquaman. Henry Cavill is Superman. Well, I mean, hang, ben on Affleck's... Now, hang on now. To 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 play devil's advocate, Jason Momoa is also Cal Drogo. Cal Drogo, yeah. Fair Jason enough, Momoa fair is also Cal Drogo, and I know you don't watch Fast and Furious, but, oh, but Gal Gadot Gal Gadot's in that, and Fast and Furious has got a pretty serious fan base. Fan base mm. there. Mm. Uh, who was it? Who else did you say? I don't know. I didn't say anyone else. Oh, okay, Ben Affleck. But I guess Ben Affleck oh, hasn't been ben typecast Affleck. either. Yeah. No. Ben Affleck is Daredevil. You know, yeah, what, exactly, what are you trying to say? Exactly. Yeah, he's been. Ben, he's been. He's been. He was cast. already typecast. He was Daredevil. With he, shiny, shiny shoot. Shiny I mean, shoots. We'll get, we'll get shiny shit. Shiny we'll shit. get to that as well. Absolutely. Um, cool. Well, I, I want to just bring it back. I have another really interesting fact as well, which I think you will like. Yeah. Uh, but what I'll do is I'll ask as a. We don't have to answer it now, but I'll ask it as a question. Now, the teaser trailer for this film, Man of Steel did in fact use music from another film uh, and another composer that you're very famous with. It's uh, when I read this, I went, I'm very famous back with. To, uh, you're very famous with. Yeah. You're very famously friends with, you I'm know, very very famously well. you friend, go for a yeah. beer, you go for a pint of old bitter with them on a Tuesday afternoon. And you should be working. Now nah, you yeah. don't actually, but no, now, but, well, <laughs> you might do. <laughs> now you've set up this little factoid and it's, I'm sure I've heard this somewhere mm. or, or I heard it in the trailer, mm. and oh, I've forgotten what it is. Mm. You're gonna have to. Mm. You're gonna have to tell me if I'm not gonna be able to guess this. Do this now, one. or do we want to? You're not gonna be able to guess this. I, I don't think I'm not. I don't think I'm gonna be able to guess it. I'm gonna let you uh, spoil this one for me, or not spoil, the, but just you know, put me out of misery. The bridge of you know it. Oh, oh my god, Kazadun. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Casa yeah, you're right. The Bridge of Casa Dune by Howard Shore. So basically, the music feature, uh, the music featured in the teaser trailer is called The Bridge of Casa Dune. Now, why did they do that? by Howard Shore. I, I don't actually know. I mean, so another fact on the back of that is Viggo Mortensen was actually originally considered to play General Zod. Oh. So, yeah. So there's, and I guess we'll get on to General Zod as well, because uh, it's not Michael Shannon. It's, it is Michael Shannon. It is Michael Shannon. Yeah. He was really, he was really he was good. fantastic. Really there good are in some, this role. There are some venomously delivered lines in this yeah, movie. Yeah, he's really good. And, and he's a very one-dimensional villain, but he did it really well. Oh, no, actually, but he sells it. He sells yeah. it to the point where it's not one-dimensional anymore, I would say. Mm, he's no. not this maniacal villain because the Zod in Superman 2, he's wearing these silk black pajamas. It's ridiculous. If you yeah, hated correct. Superman 1, which I know that you did, and listeners will know you hated Superman 1, mm. you would despise Superman 2. Sure, and sure. Yeah, they're wearing these really campy black pajamas, and he and he says things like "kneel before Zod." In, oh God! In do you know, like do you know what it's... do you know what Zod's first name is? Tim. It's not. It's not. It's not Tim or General. <laughs> Apparently, it's Drew. D R U. Drew Zod. Drew Zod. Mm, exactly. Drew are you, Zod. Are you, I, I can't tell if you're pulling my leg or not. Oh, I'm not pulling your leg. Look under the table. I'm not there. <laughs> Oh, very good. <laughs> uh, usually I am. Usually I am. You know me. Yeah, absolutely. You set a little bowl up for me, like yeah. a pigeon. Absolutely. But the, but the, uh, the, the, yeah, the, the use of uh, Michael, uh, Michael Shore, uh, Howard Michael. Shore in Michael Shore, Michael Shore, Michael, Michael, Michael Shannon, Shannon Shore, <laughs> Michael Shannon on the shores. Uh, but he, he, yeah. I, I, so I, I don't know why they used that to answer your very first question that I got to about a couple of minutes ago that you asked. Uh, I mean, I guess it's. It, I would imagine it was because the music was composed late for this. I don't know. Does that make sense in terms of uh, the, the, the? I mean, was the movie made first and then? Hans well, no, Zimmer because again, what in. you're talking about, what what you're kind of almost hitting on is the partnership that they wanted to do with the Dark Knight. Because what was the other ingredient? apart from Christopher Nolan, that really made The Dark Knight. Yeah, Hans Zimmer. Hans course, Zimmer. Yeah. So not only did they want Christopher Nolan, they wanted Hans Zimmer as well, and Hans Zimmer was the one that actually did it. So I I mean, I would have to go back and look it up. I'm not mm. sure. But I suspect that Hans Zimmer was brought in fairly early on. Oh, you would have thought. Yeah, I, 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 see, so. the point you're, I see the point you're making, but it still doesn't answer why they didn't use... Why they used Howard Shore? I, there must be a great reason for that. Yeah, there must be. There must be. There must be. <laughs> it, do you know what it genuinely might be? It genuinely might just be the fact that the Hobbits were coming out at the, around about the same time, so they put some Lord of the Rings music in there. Well, the Hobbits, all of the Hobbit trailers, if I, from memory, had Lord of the Rings music in it. It yeah. didn't have. It didn't have well, Hobbit music in it. Well, I don't know. They I mean, all. They all. Yeah, they all had that. Very strange. But should we talk about? Should we talk about the music in Man of Steel though? Go for it, yes. Because one of the things I really, really love about this soundtrack is the excessive drums. That There's are, a lot. That are, it, it's in the whole soundtrack. Like if you, There's lots of action pieces in this movie, and, and it's not too surprising when somebody says, oh, you know, there's action pieces, and there's a lot of drums in the action pieces, because it's driving. And you're like, well, yeah, okay, that's a fairly standard pairing to have mm. drums in your action sequences, but it's in, like, everything all of the mm. all of these drums and i really really love that huge sound and it really and i was and i was sitting here thinking why all the drums because it's quite marchy quite 
militaristic but not Mm. in like a modern militaristic way more of a kind of ancient Mm. sort of medieval not medieval but greek yeah i know know the mythological and then i thought well hang on though aren't all of dc's superhero characters based on greek mythology uh well yeah i would imagine so aren't they well no they they are i mean well so so and and then i guess like a lot of the marvel are maybe more nordic mythology yeah absolutely and um but but, yeah you're right absolutely So, so then i thought well i mean that's very very telling because now they're making a super superhero movie where the feeling of the superhero is not the american fanfareness of it mm. like it was mm. with john williams and christopher mm. reeve but it's more of the the greek hero godlike yes godlike presence because christopher reeve didn't have a godlike presence no whereas no, no it was I mean, very you just, america you just oh. look at henry cavill and you think yeah that's yeah he's, he's a god <laughs> yeah, he's, he's he's pretty kind of architectural sort of david looking isn't he that yeah that, he that absolutely kind of he yeah. absolutely is and again and again that again is is a point in Zack snyder's favor as to why they would have done this because obviously he made 300 which mm, mm. Yeah, Leonidas steeped in Greek mythology, mm-hmm. and so you know you begin you begin to connect these dots, and then you realize what Warner Brothers were trying to go for for this franchise, which was yeah. the big Greek mythology side of it. Yeah, and I think yeah. the music really helps to sell that in mm-hmm. the drums throughout. Can I say another thing that I like about this movie? As a, a, a little bit away from the music, and again, we talked yeah, about on. this as we watched this. When you talk about mythologies and stuff, obviously there's a lot of uh, um, there's a lot of religious connotations. I think in yep. some aspects, and they kind of touch on it throughout the DC EU, but specifically with Superman as a character, I think that initially there was a lot more religious connotations with him, and certainly uh, a lot of popularity base was there was you know that's that's that slight on um god and 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 you know he is he is he in theory is he a, a pseudo for the second coming of of jesus yeah, almost yeah, yeah. coming through and stuff and that for a while that has been kind of but but to the film's I don't credit think it actually, was as subtle as the filmmakers thought they were no, trying to make it i think it was but, pretty ham-fisted but 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 to but to zach sound's credit and stuff that that's something that at one point they must have had to address in some way shape or form and and you know i guess like personal opinions aside on whether you think that they should or should not do it i think it's it's a very interesting um it's very interesting that almost every modern interpretation of superman almost is uh totally totally moved away from that initial uh, initial sort of connotation yeah. that was potentially once attached to it because superman as a character wouldn't have survived if they'd kept that in you know he's he's unlike unlike your kind of i guess like to an extent your your spider-mans and your and your batmans superman and the ideologies behind him has, has changed a lot and, and kind of uh, evol- evolves with the audience that it's attached to. And, yeah. and we saw that with the original Superman where there was a patriotic element to it and there was that Boy Scout nature. We, the audiences wanted to see a darker, they want to see a grittier Superman and that's yeah. what they got from this. And I, yeah. and I, so I, can, I, can, I, I, uh, I think I, I think it's a good, good job with that. I mean, and don't get me wrong, like I, I've given this film a lot of positives. I, I'm not a huge fan of this film no. by any means. But have you given it, but have you... Because I, I do really want to delve into why. Yeah, I, I do don't want. Know. I do want to delve it. I do want to hear some like criticisms of it. 
because I was sitting here watching it, and actually, this is a movie that for me, it it doesn't deteriorate every time I watch it. I actually sit and when I watch Man of Steel, and I go, "What what is wrong with this? Like, what what is what is actually wrong with this? Okay, maybe the." Maybe the dialogue's a bit meh, but mm. you know, so many movies are, and you don't really care. The music's excellent. The visuals are stunning. I think the visuals are the strongest part of this movie. Yeah, I think that. I think the visual. I mean, I don't, don't get me wrong. Like, I think it's a great music movie. I think there's amazing music, but I think that the music isn't the strongest part of this movie. I think the strongest parts of this movie are the visuals. Yeah, the visuals. And, they're and stellar. The, and the I cast think Henry was stellar. The cast is very good. The cast is very good. The acting. Of the cast is brilliant. Yeah, the acting's pretty good. I just think some of the dialogue is utter atrocious. I mean, it, it, it's it's some of it is absolutely atrocious, and I think some of the, I, I think I think the story as a whole, I couldn't tell you what the story is for this. I couldn't tell you what it was. Like right. all I could say was, Superman comes to Earth, and then General Zod comes to Earth, but I don't know. Like, I couldn't run through it back in terms of what everyone's motivations were. Really? I couldn't really... No, not really. I'd say I that was fairly clear. No, I could... But, like, it's clear when you watch it, but it's not memorable. That's the point I'm trying to make. Like, I've watched oh. this film now twice, and there's films that I've watched only once, and I could tell you exactly what right. the point of the story was. And I just can't really... It's 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 pretty just it, it's quite a blended film as far as I'm concerned. I think there's a I think there's elements of film by committee and there's elements of director's vision. And I think that the the the, the committee parts of this movie are the blended nature of some of the 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 extended sequences and don't get me wrong like there are some really good sequences in this i think the fight with general zod at the end is really really great yeah. i think to an extent coming across the fortress of solitude it's inventive i think the characterization of lois lane look I, uh, she's not a great character in the original film or the comics and i think kudos to them for giving her a little bit more of um a screen time a little bit more things to do yeah. and stuff. i think but, i think i think lois is actually best done in this movie yeah, in Man of Steel, yeah, because actually, so. Batman versus Superman, she's borderline very annoying, but also mm. completely useless, and um, and Justice League even more useless. Mm. I just, I th- this this film is the equivalent of, uh, it's the equivalent of uh of a of a band. It's it's equivalent of like you give love a bad name from Bon Jovi. They'll tour around all the time. Every time they tour, you know they're going to play you give love a bad name. Yeah. And you got to think whilst they're playing it on, you know, the, the, the 14th night of a, of a 60 night long tour, you got to think to themselves, they've got to be like, oh, we, here we go again. Like this time, are you going to jump off? Well, the that's white snake. Do you know what I mean? That's that, white that, snake. That you give love a bad name. No, no, Shut here we go them. again. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> got you. Got bloody go. <laughs> but you know, it's it's that kind of just like it. There's an element of, as you as we maybe say, going through the motions, so to speak. Oh, it's you know, it's plug. it's like it's the it's the equivalent of a well done steak. You know, it's there's there, there is flavor to be derived from it, but it's kind of just there's not a huge amount of punchiness. And don't get me wrong, like there's elements of taste, there's elements of flavor in this film. As we've said, the cinematography is pretty damn good and the visuals are the visuals very very much carry a lot of this movie yeah but there's some things that just get i mean like i remember another thing that we said i think it must have been about the 14 minute mark i was like i'm already done with a very specific camera technique that happens a lot in this movie yeah which is the zoom 
extra zoom, zoom in, zoom out, and yeah, then yeah. we kind of move in and out. And and, jump and it was zoom. over pop, the, the jump pop zoom, pop the zoom. pop zoom, the yeah. jump zoom. And then there was elements of that during some of the flight sequences. I think the flight sequences were one of the ones where my opinion was changed as I was watching them. Where I went in with a with a low bar, thinking I don't I think I'm going to like these. And then actually, as I watched them, I went, no, actually they're not that bad. I think I think some of the green screen was terrible. Some of it was absolutely terrible. Do you mean and like when he learned to fly? When he learned to fly, yeah, some yeah, of yeah. it was crap. But also that combined with the camera, it didn't have a jump zoom. It had a it had a pan like a like a quick pan so as he was curving around like as he was coming around banking the camera would focus on him coming towards the screen but as he got closer to the screen and he started on the the banking the left bank the camera would kind of jump to catch up with him and it had that it's the classic yeah it's the classic shaky camera to cover up bad special effects exactly absolutely and i just yeah. it was the so that's what the jump zoom and the shaky camera did and it it, it just pissed me off like i was like yeah. it's it, it, and i think audiences in 2013 when was it 2013 when it came out that they to an extent could have been fooled by that and it hasn't aged well those sequences um, no uh, unfo- yeah. unfortunately you'll always get though just moments in these movies when you get towards you know 10 years after a movie comes out which okay we're not we're not there yet but we're not far off to be fair seven years but i think but i think but you you'll always get little little shots that don't hold up because the just the technology wasn't as good back well you see it's in every it's in everything it's in everything even things like lord of the rings when people say Mm. oh it still holds up and i'm like yeah no it it doesn't know because if you look at like the the big sweeping armies you can clearly tell that a lot of those are just copy and pasted cgi men as if it was total war like you can tell like you can you didn't you you never used to be able to tell but you can now you can but but comparisons where comparisons are due i think the closest thing and obviously the fairest thing to compare again is watchmen and Watchmen, the visuals in that, like they're more aligned, akin to the kind of V for Vendetta style Sin City. Yeah. But they stand up, like the Watchmen stands up as a film, as, and obviously it's down to the storytelling because the story itself stands up greater than this introduction to Superman and I guess Superman 2, as we've, we've talked about. Now, I, I just think, I just, like I say, I think this is the film equivalent of a well done steak or a, or a, or a single that's past its time. And I, and I, for whatever reason, I just like, it doesn't, it doesn't excite me. Nothing about this film yeah. excites me. Like it was a chore, it was a chore going to see it in the cinema and it was a chore rewatching it. It was, it was a delight to be in your company though. I like those cookies. They were oh, delicious. I was telling Maddie about it. Yeah, this. they were, they were a nice one. I didn't make them. Mm, very good. <laughs> Yeah, but I think to I think to wrap up the sort of you know critique of the movie segment of this thing, I I would really say, and I'm saying this as somebody who does like the movie a lot more than I don't like the movie, like a lot more than I don't like the movie. Like if I was mm. to give this an out of ten, I'd be at the I'd be at the you know maybe maybe eight seven seven to eight kind of really kind of skip. That's, yeah that's that's genuinely where i am where i am at it and i think part of the reason is because i look at it and i think despite this flaw the the flaws i think any technical and critical flaws you give it will be nothing compared to just your own preference of what kind of movie you want to see when you sit down and watch a superman movie and and I think that 
is has been the predominant driving factor in a lot of audience reviews of this movie it's not a movie that's very well received and i think if you just looked at it with a purely objective lens you'd be like no this movie's not nearly as bad as people are giving it credit for i mean it's not perfect let's not let's not say that it is but come on guys like i've got a question we get alex yeah go on Okay, so so based with that chain of thought, right? So this is this is something that I be this is something that I thought about as I was leaving yours the other night after we finished watching it, and I and I wanted to pose this to you, and forgive me if I don't ask this in the right way, but it makes sense in my head. So let's let's let let's say that you've got generalizations of different eras of film and different eras of movie that that yeah. are kind of stand up. So I guess like you've got eighties and you've got those eighties like Arnold Schwarzenegger like Predator style films and Rambo and these sort of styles of movie and Rocky, yeah. and you've got that kind of like the begrizzled hero. I think you've got Western films and Western, the genre there. You've probably got like the, um, I guess like you've got the kind of 90s. It was a lot like car style films and like buddy cop style movies and stuff. Yeah. And then you've got, I would say we're very much in the, I mean, for the last 10 years, I would say like, so the cutoff for this maybe be the last 10 years of superhero movies. Because superhero movies are, yeah. they've, they've worked out the formulas, they make sense and they sell. Uh, yeah. Now, if you... In the same way that if you said to someone from like the 80s, right, you've got five films that define the action genre of the 80s and you go, right, okay, we've got to get Die Hard in there. We've got to get maybe Predator in there. We've got to get like, you know, so you, you see the point I'm trying to make. You kind of have those five, the big hitters and then like apply the yeah. same for the West. If you had only so much time, you had to watch all the Western. I mean, there are fucking hundreds of Western movies if you scratch below the surface. Yeah. But the ones that you constantly come back to are, the, you know, the, the good, the bad and the ugly uh, series once upon a time in the west you know maybe cinema paradiso that that that, that those kind of classics now my question yeah. is let's use the, the analogy that we are now in the era of superhero movies yeah. do you think which we Man undoubtedly Steel, are undoubtedly are do you think like and just not in just marvel cinematic universe across the whole of them because obviously there's the dcu ones there's the, there's the sony movies we've got obviously fox is slowly dying but there's still the remnants of their movies that fall <laughs> yeah, into yeah, this yeah. category i mean like for example logan for example like Lo- logan is as good as or as better as anything the dcu or marvel cinematic universe has thrown out there but oh, yeah, would definitely. you a would you a recommend man of steel to someone who has not really explored this element of cinema, um, I guess, like genre of cinema, and B, do you think this will stand up in that kind of the top five or top ten of these, let's say top five, that that kind of like show the range of superhero movies from the 2010s? This is very easy to answer. These are two very easy questions. A, yes, I would recommend it to pretty much anyone. Like I, like I would I think there's a lot there's quality enough in it just because of the fact that it was a director with a, a singular vision and a, and a singular tone that mm. went away from the norm and that in itself mm. that, that that's worth a watch that's worth a watch like mm. re- regardless of the rest of those flaws that's worth a watch do I think it will it will survive it will stand the test of time no nah, don't I don't think it will Mm, mm. i'm inclined to agree with you actually it was when you were giving that answer there i thought actually do you know what like this is a good recommendation for someone who does want to introduce themselves who does like the character superman i just personally can't understand why people do 
I think they're all weirdos. I think they're all freaks. And I think that they all <laughs> drink their own wee-wee. So that's probably my thoughts. On Fabulous. Well, you, you know me too well. I think you've just put some of my deepest, <laughs> darkest secrets onto the internet there. But let's get into some of the more, like some of the tracks of the soundtrack. Go for it. Just to like, you know, give a few recommendations. Because there, there are a few standard themes that go throughout this movie. And one of my personal favorites is the really soft kind of Clark Kent theme which is just a and it's just really simple chords underneath and it's and it deal it always happens when well it's it's the clark kent theme it's not it's not superman because obviously he's he's he does have these two personalities and it's really there's quite a lot in small in its simplicity Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really gorgeous in its simplicity, and I think simplicity is the best word for it. Simple, simple's the best yeah. word for it, because it yeah. is representative of the simple life. That I don't know is it is it a simple life that he strives for or protecting? Yes, yeah, very, very much. So you know, why can't we just? Why can't I just? you know continue pretending to be your son that you know yeah. that in one and then he you know and obviously kevin costner cuddles him saying you know you know you are my son and that that was that little interchange was featured in almost all the trailers from memory and yeah it, yeah, yeah, was, it was laced it? and that and it was very heavily laced with the theme that you're talking about and i think it i think it's there's at times like that, that they like i said they do it right like they they never did sequences like that that you know kind of really for the for the for the first time i saw the character of superman and that, that kind of like i don't want this like he genuinely didn't want this and yeah. they did that in a really good way but that's never been explored before yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, a no, they did a piece of music and and very simple, yeah, yeah very they, simple, yeah, 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 very simple, effective, and mm-hmm. and juxtaposing that, you've got the yeah, you've got the heavy drums and brass or and full orchestra mm-hmm. of Flight, for example, yeah, Flight. He yeah. first heard when when he learns to fly, and mm. crucially, the other thing that happens when that track starts is it's just a towards the end of when he's interacting with his biological father mm. uh jor jor-el played by jor-el played by jor-el i Russell was gonna say Kruf. marlon brando but it's not marlon brando it's <laughs> no Russell it's Kruf. not it's not it's not, it's not yeah. marlon brando this time but i and i think one of the other things that the trailers did, because I remember a time where there were two trailers out simultaneously and it, they were both father-son trailers and they were both narrated, one by Russell Crowe and one by Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner, yeah. And and basic, basically one giving the kind of Kryptonian words of wisdom. Yes. And one giving the sentimental human kind of be yourself sort of yeah assurance exactly. assurance mm-hmm. i think is probably one and i really really like that but flight is an absolute belter of a track i absolutely mm. love it because it just has this this slow build towards just this drum overload and i can just imagine listening to this in a concert hall i would say that this is a movie that i would watch in a films and concert sort of environment I don't know if you would agree with that. 
Uh, yeah, I, I think it would, it would I reckon definitely... done right, the drums would could be so effective, like really, really impactful, mm. like dramatic. Yeah, and done wrong, it done wrong, it would be out of time or something like that. <laughs> No, do you not think though? Is this a movie that you'd go? You'd no, it'd be good. Yeah, it'd be good. It'd be good. Yeah, it would be. It yeah, would be, be good. good. I've said it? it would be good. You got what you wanted from me, okay? What more do you want? Do you want the shirt off my back? It would be good. <laughs> it would be good. It would be good. Absolutely. A couple good. of other, yeah, a couple of other things I I like. There's a track. There's music that accompanies General Zod and the kind of mm-hmm. evil faction of the kryptonians and again lots and lots of drums and lots and lots of brass but it's a lot more chromatic in harmony and like a lot more threatening it's not heroic because you know Mm. we we said earlier how the music in this is not you know boy scouty and patriotic and it's heroic and for example flight is a very very heroic Mm. track whereas zod's tracks one of the best ones is i will find him and you die or i do oh, there's yes. a lot of similar similar material in both of those tracks and that's like a lot mm-hmm. more menacing even though it all comes from the same sound world and i think it's very very important yes. the, that the instrument the instrumentation is exactly the same because after all in the eyes of a lot of the humans superman and zod come from the same place yeah exactly exactly they they come from the same place and i don't think it's an accident that that the sound world is exactly the same because you know in so many movies you would have a certain sound world for the hero and a completely different sound world for the villain but in mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. hans zimmer makes it the same and i think there's a reason for that do you know so it's funny the um i was listening to this soundtrack whilst i was at work which i often do when i'm you know once after watching the film and and that you die or i do i was listening to that Uh, i'm really enjoying that track actually i thought it was really good Um, and i was listening to it as i was typing an incredibly angry email and it made it uh, quite a moment for me i had a really great had a really great great. i can imagine that being a great track to get to get (laughs) into just keyboard warrioring As per my previous, as we did this last Yes. Oh, did it start with that? Ooh, yeah. you can tell. No, it, was one of, it was one of those. It was, oi, dickhead. It was one of those. <laughs> <laughs> the, but, uh, I was going to, what was I going to say? I was going to say something else. Totally lost it. Oh, well, I'll come back to it. Keep yeah. going, keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there was only really one other track that I wanted to make special mention of in well it's only actually in the deluxe edition of the soundtrack for anyone that's interested and it's the first that's track what i was going to talk about the was, second side a... which is the hans zimmer man of steel original sketchbook and that's I first, what i was going to ask first, about yeah when i first found this soundtrack years ago when i first saw this movie and i saw a sketchbook and i was like hello what's this and oh it's like 20 minutes long oh this is quite interesting and i listened to it and it's really quite incredible and quite telling of the kind of modern process of scoring movies scoring hollywood movies because what we have here is basically 20 minutes of all the material that you need for the movie right yep and what they would have done is have all that material and then just put little sound bites 
mm-hmm. in the editing room where like they want it and stuff like that and then they probably would have fleshed it out a bit more in the recording studio afterwards which is where these full tracks came later but it's very interesting yeah. that Hans Zimmer would have had to just write just all his material in one through composed piece of music and then you know that would have probably been the pitch i can imagine ah, this being the pitch and i think yeah. and i think this is how it's done and i think the reason why it's included in the release of the soundtrack is because probably they were just so damn impressed with with the pitch that they were like wow mm. let's 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 keep that that's a and really i absolutely good point, love actually. listening to yeah. it yeah that's a really good point so i would imagine then that's probably how yeah you you would need to create a sketchbook for one of these things i guess and that's it's a condensed version i think that's you know and it's interesting that it's through composed because i was going to draw comparisons to this to a film we did a couple of months ago which was the forest forest gump alan silvestri the forest gump suite is a sketchbook of sorts of all of the music that takes place in forest gump and if you listen to that suite but the difference is that and i don't think i would need to look this up but that i don't think is through composed i think it's edited very cleverly together whereas as you said you know quite rightly this is through composed which in some ways makes it a far more impressive um track on the on yeah. the deluxe edition well i think the biggest difference that i that i should point out between a sketchbook and the suite is i believe the suites and especially when you're talking about movies like forrest gump back to the future star wars has a suite mm. indiana mm. jones has a suite is that these things are more they're created after the fact they're they're created after the movie is out and they're specifically crafted for the concert platform so when symphony Mm. orchestras want to play music from a movie you know there's a lot of music in Mm. a big running time in the movie so a composer will compose like uh greatest hits sort of i've got another question for you now you made me think of another question so therefore right let's say for example the reason why the sketchbook is features because they love the sketchbook so much so you can probably draw it would probably be safe for me to assume that what was pitched was kept almost all of it was kept in the film yeah i wonder what the sketchbooks for the star wars for the forest i wonder what a sketchbook would have sounded like because obviously the do you know what i mean the music probably evolved quite a lot and as you said the suite was done after the after the fact the movie was created I would love to have heard their original sketchbook for something like Indiana Jones or for Star Wars. I wonder what the first iteration for some of that music would have sounded like. Well, I, I mean, know we for got a fact. that with James Bond. You know, with James Bond, we got that. Obviously, yeah. Well, I know kind of for versions. a fact that it didn't happen like that for Star Wars because I know that you know George Lucas and John Williams were you know were friends in the industry before Star Wars and. George just asked John Williams to write it and John Williams had George round to his house and basically played the themes on the piano to him mm. in his living room and just gave him an idea that way and then wow, the next what a, what a haunting meeting imagine being a fly in the wall during that day. I know it's that's like history that's like yeah it, it, it is it is bizarre that that I, I care more about those moments in history than like, you know, serious political events. The fall of the Berlin you know, Wall. Exactly. Fuck that. You know, where was where was John Williams and George? Yeah, Lucas? but seriously, That's, like yeah. honestly, if I'm being very, very true to myself, and somebody said, Do you want to go and see the fall of the Berlin Wall or do you want to see the moment that George Lucas heard John Williams' music for for Star Wars for the first time? And I'm like, Easy. Berlin yeah, Schmerlin. Exactly. I'm going Yeah. 
I'm, that I'm, was the original name of the track, actually. Berlin, Schmerlin. Okay, George, what you got to understand is this track is called Berlin, Schmerlin, okay? It's where the hero, Luke Skywalker, who is some sort of priest wizard with a cape and a sword in space, is flying around. And his wizard father, who we don't actually know if it's his father, Ben Kenobi, he's going to be standing over him going, look, look. But he's not saying, look, it's his name, okay? And it goes, I call it Berlin, Schmerlin. I love it. That's how it went down. But you don't have to go back anymore. Your your impressions of George Lucas and John Williams are truly outstanding. <laughs> <laughs> they were 50 silver screen producers. Absolutely. Incredibly misogynistic and high off their tits on cocaine. Absolutely. No, they sounded more like they'd just finished their their shift of selling newspapers on the on the on the street corner. It's like, get your get, get your paper here, see? Read all about it! Read all about it! Berlin Schmerlin! It's gonna be the track of the century! <laughs> Here these two, Judge Lucas and John Williams. Fantastic. I've just realized I've forgotten about a tr- uh, another track I wanted to give a mention to very quickly in the Man of Steel soundtrack. Okay, and but was... this really has to be the last track. It really does. It really is. And, and I'm going to beat you over the head with a Absolutely. Really and I'll it's, do it. I'll do it. It's terraforming. And the reason mm. I want to make special mention of this track is because it really... It really goes heavy into the alien aspect of Krypton. Because obviously you've got this what they call world engine, terraforming mm. Earth, and you you get this, and it accompanies the you know the gravitational kind of uh, pulses that yes. happen, and it's visually oh, really yes, great where yes, you see all yes. the cars getting flattened, and it it's like, like a really really music. cool shot, yeah. and then there's this really alien like sound which is like, and it's like, and it's really deep and it really penetrates. And it's like, that's not of this world. And I really, oh. really like that. The way you leaned into the microphone to recreate that sound was also very deep and oh, thank alien. You very much. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah. No, oh, I think, do you, th- do you think Hans Zimmer had to um, resist introducing synthesizers whilst you were seeing scenes on Krypton very much like in the same way, the original Superman, you know, obviously not, not doing the, not doing the music but kind of yeah. just using the synthesizer that would have been <laughs> yeah, do you know what absolutely. i mean like, i think that would have been quite funny absolutely yeah so, i remembered another point i was gonna say oh yeah go you on. know how you said you know how you said sorry i've just this is such there's such converse from this you did something interesting there you said uh brass and then you said drums you didn't say brass and percussion and i've often asked this i wondered this sorry and i wanted to ask this why do musicians and i think there's an answer why do musicians when they're talking about certain parts of the orchestra and how it accompanies a film, talk about at the string section, talk about the brass section, talk about the woodwind section, but don't talk about the percussion section. They go, oh, the drums were good here or the timpanis were really good there. Is it because the percussion is such a vast ranging of instruments and when you say percussion, you could be meaning, oh, the triangle was bloody lovely in that sequence. Oh, that's exactly it. That that really is exactly it. I mean, you you can make different sections of the orchestra perform very very different functions as sections but there's only one section of the orchestra that can perform vastly different things in the same piece Mm. using like completely different sounding instruments Mm. because after all like you know as far as the sound that they make they really shouldn't be in the same section the only Mm. reason they're in the same section is because you play them the same way you just give it a whack Mm. Mm, obviously with a lot more skill than than just giving it a whack but like you know that's how sections are dictated in the orchestra is you know technically how how they're played you know the woodwind Mm. you blow you blow air through it 
and um, brass, you spit through it, and mm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Exactly. Conductor, thank- you, conductor, you wave your hands around like a lunatic. Well, but- as always, uh, thank you. Sorry, keep going. Were you finishing there? No, no, that that, that was basically it. <laughs> oh, okay, well, I was about to thank you for your answer, and thank you once again for listening to all my drivel and answering all my monotonous questions about this. And I have one more question to ask you. How many thumbs up? Uh, I'm, I'm, on, I'm two with this. 100%. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's and it's it's because of a soft spot. I'm not I'm not saying this is like a real two thumb up quality movie. Um, it's a quality score. I'll um, mm. I'll give I'll give uh, the score what it's due, hundred percent. Mm. And I am aware of the flaws in the movie, but I have a soft spot for it. So I'm, and I'm aware I'm of yourself. I'm aware of your soft spot after I cuddled into you whilst watching this movie. You've yeah, got a few little, little soft nook. spots, which are nice. Your little <laughs> that little craving that you have. You should get that scene too. Actually, I would. It's a bit. No, it's, it's a, a nice bit weird. Nook. No, it's a nice. Okay, it's a nice nook. Okay, fine. It's, it's a nice nook. Tell me how many thumbs up you think I'm going to give it. One. If you get yes. it, if you get it too down, then you're lying to yourself. No, well, I'm not getting it any down. I mean, we're, we're those days are over. I've not got that much hate in my love. Do you know I life anymore? I've got too much <laughs> love. Like I, I can't, I can't hate that much. No. There's a couple of movies on my. Exactly. Also, you're not an idiot. <laughs> no, I'm not an idiot. No. As well. <laughs> Thanks for that. That's the most life assured. That's the most life affirming thing someone's ever said to me. Well, I feel like hour. I feel like sometimes you need told that you're not an idiot. Yeah, daily daily doses of lack of idiot. No, it's one thumb up for me, yeah. and I think you hit it on the head. Yeah. Well, to be fair, the, we, we our, our scale doesn't have that many choices. You know, I, I, I had a, It's not as if it's not as if I guessed correctly like one to ten. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is it one, one or three. Is it zero? It's one of it had a thirty percent chance of getting it right. <laughs> forward moving forward now we've got a few things to bring to you moving forward uh do yeah. you one of them is a film one of it is a tv series and one of it's yeah. an album what do we want to do first Absolutely. where do we want to go Ooh. well i've uh, i've uh, rambled on a bit so why don't you start us off cool no worries so uh for those of you who are not aware or i'm haven't checked netflix uh, recently a new film has been uploaded to it uh, and it, the film is called Project Power. It's 2020 and it stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Jamie Foxx. And the concept of the movie is that there is a type of drug or pill out there that will give the uh, the user of the said drug or pill uh, a superpower for five minutes. Mm-hmm. But the implications of the superpower mean that some people can uh, have fire powers, some people can have ice powers, some people can have some sort of invisibility cloak, but some people uh, can't react to it and mutate and ultimately explode because they can't handle it. So it's a real gamble. Uh, yeah. The film is set in New Orleans and it's an odd one. I I think I enjoyed it. But the further I get away from it, the further I'm like, mm, nah, it was fine. Definitely wouldn't recommend it like directly, but I would recommend it if you've got nothing better. Like I wouldn't go stop what you're doing and watch it. 
Yeah. But it's a good movie. It, it's definitely a film of two halves. Yeah. It's some of the sequences are amazing and actually really quite. Like, there's a there's a particular action sequence which I won't get to, which is filmed in a one shot, and it's the way that it's done is really really clever. Uh, and it evolves it evolves sort of like an underground drug bust. Because ultimately the yeah. the undertones of this film are that this there's this drug and this you know and and they they don't treat it. It's not it's not a standard superhero movie. It's more a sort of crime thriller drama mm-hmm. um, with the kind of superhero elements laced through it which i i, I always like an, an inventive way to kind of spin the superhero thing because as we've said before there's a lot of superhero movies oh, out there the market okay. is very saturated but it does a good shot it does a good job of of, of changing it jamie fox as as always in everything is great joseph gordon levitt he's he's good i prefer jamie fox i think he's better in this and i think joseph gordon levitt was uh, I think he did it because it was uh, probably quite an easy money make. I mean, a Netflix movie for an A-list celebrity, uh, I, I can't help thinking, but that's like, it's just a no-brainer. Do you know what I mean? It's it's yeah. like I can just I, I can do this, and it's a quick investment of cash. Mm-hmm. Do you know that that mm-hmm. that that, that is, as far as he's concerned is uh, another car or another couple of cars. That's yeah. that's what it equates to, really. Yeah. As far as I'm Fair concerned. No, good movie. Have you have you seen it pop up in well, your Netflix? Well, I saw it, I saw it pop up on Netflix and I'll be honest, there's a few cynical things that goes on in my head whenever I see these things pop up on Netflix. Because mm. when I see a Netflix movie that I've not seen any adverti- like pre-advertisement for, mm. but has an amazing cast, I think this was a swing and a miss, wasn't it, guys? Like yeah. you've just you've just put this under the radar, yeah, and and hoped and hoped that just by surprising us all, we'll see Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon-Levitt and just immediately put it on because it's do because, you it, think, because it's them, and do you and it's that aspect the... that makes me want to not avoid it because I am interested in watching it actually, but there you know it doesn't surprise me that you said it was a bit meh. Let's no. put it that way. Do Do you think it is the equivalent of the, do you remember back in the day when there were some films that just were straight to, straight to VHS? Yeah. And they didn't go to the cinema. Do you yeah. think that that whole, just they just get strung, strung up on Netflix with, with a good cast, do you think that's the equivalent of those? Well, not really, because obviously this would have been financed and produced by Netflix. No, sorry, just, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not, I mean in terms of just like how, how the audience receives these movies. But no, I, I I thought it was I thought it was a great movie. But yeah, th- there is a couple of I think that's the closest comparison is a straight to VHS film. Yeah. Um, to this, but y- y- I would say watch it because it because it asks some interesting questions, doesn't yeah. answer them all, and there's 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 good elements of it. Uh, there's a I forget the name of her. There's a character called Robin in it, and she's uh, played by a young a young black actress, and I, I forget her name. I could find it for her, but she's really good in it. Yeah. Um. I. I I want to see more of her, um, and I'm sure if I look around, um, hang on, I've just got her name here, uh, Dominique Fishback. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, she's. It's uh, not a name I'm familiar doing... with, but I no, have heard me, good me, things about her performance in this movie. So me, me neither. But I think we'll see a lot more of her. I, I really, I yeah, I really, really did like her. Actually, uh, she was, she was definitely this. I think she was the standout of this movie. Actually, um, so yeah, get it watched. Okay, well, I will do next next time. I'm up at like. 10 30 and i'm like i could go to bed but if i go to bed i'm not gonna sleep so i might as well mm. stick something it's 100 percent one of those movies in yeah. fact that's actually how i watched it yeah <laughs> yeah don't worry i'm aware i'm aware no i have been watching again on netflix 
the very, very popular American anime series, Avatar The Last Airbender, which yes. has a humongous and very, very loyal fan base. Yeah, and I would like to say that I am part of that because I have watched this series three times now. And mm, there are really? not wow. many shows that I would do that for. Now, have you seen any of this? Now, Alex, I'm going to surprise you. I have seen nothing of the original anime. I've seen none of the series on Netflix. And I turned the film off. Remember, there was a live-action film a couple of years ago. I turned that off halfway through. Yeah. I think I think I don't know if I went to the cinema or if I turned... No, I watched it on TV. I, I like, hired oh, so you've, it from You've the actually seen store. some of that. I've not seen any of it. Oh, it's god-awful. God-awful. Yeah, but, I, but, I, but, kind of want, I kind of want to watch it to see how god-awful it is. No, but it's got, it was god-awful. And actually, by proxy, has... has meant that that was my first that was the first thing i was exposed to and, and i haven't ever revisited again so i know nothing about this okay know so nothing about this I, culture i cannot recommend it highly enough oh really it's it's wonderful it really is wonderful it's such an amazing story i, I don't know if i should like summarize like the setup or anything mm, maybe it, don't maybe don't because it because i probably could find myself watching it i i honestly i w- i would it's it's such a great like saturday morning you know 20 minute stick on a 20 minute cartoon episode it's like it's 20 is it 20 episodes i think it's about 20 episodes a series mm-hmm. or less than that maybe like 15 to 18 Mm-hmm. episodes of series and there's three and there's three series in avatar the last airbender and then they made a sequel uh of four series called the legend of korra which mm. is which is set about like 50 60 years later okay, okay. Uh, than avatar the last airbender but mm. it has so many cultural and philosophical angles oh cool okay and lessons to you know you know to be learned and it which makes it not only one of the best kids shows but one of the best like family shows there's Mm. there's something in it for everyone and i i respect art like that so so much they and speaking of the actual art of it the visuals and the art style of it is beautiful it's made with so much love Mm. and mark camel's in it oh excellent great He, he he voices the bad guy watch it because okay. I think I think there's something very unique to watching family things as an as an adult. Mm. Okay. Because I think okay. you look for the extra things, and okay. there's and there's a lot of it in this series. So I would give it a go. Okay. I would give it a go, and I w- I'd want you to tell me what you think. Okay, and if it's short episodes, then I guess I could digest that in, in nice little chunks. Absolutely. The final thing we both want to bring to moving forward this time isn't uh isn't uh, i guess media um film or tv media related it's, it's an album that has been released and it's been a long time released uh mm-hmm. from uh the artist that did a film that we talked about a couple of couple of months ago uh which was balance not symmetry by mm-hmm. composed by the simon neil and biffy clyro biffy yep. clyro have uh released a new album celebration of endings mm-hmm. uh and what do you think? I mean, this is an album that obviously was postponed quite a lot. The yeah. release before it's an COVID. interesting name. This isn't like their last studio album or something. Anything. Is I there. hope. It's not, I hope not. I hope not. The name of the album does suggest something along those lines. 
It does. And I think if they were going to do an ending or a celebration of endings album, I would want it akin to Opposites. You know, that was yeah. a that was an album. I would say Opposites the single huge, huge, absolutely huge. That are only revolutions. I think they were both they were both had the clout to uh, justify themselves as the last album, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and and I and I don't think. I don't think the t- the name of the album is reflective of where they're at because they're all still young blokes. You know, they they yep. still got a lot of life in them. They still got a lot of rocking in them, a lot of partying in them. I think that this album is, and I've listened to it a couple of times now. Obviously, a couple of the the, the singles. And you said something interesting about the singles, um, which I'm sure we'll get to in a second. But as a as a whole, listen through this whole album. I think this is definitely the the biggest range of sound that we've ever had from Bithy Clyro. Yeah. I think that there's a couple of tracks that in particular i think speak to me um and i think the the one that the one that just catches it it it, it summarizes biffy clyro for me is the last track on the album cop syrup yeah, yeah which is yeah. an amazing an amazing piece of artwork it, it's it is it's everything you would want from you know when someone says to you uh, give give me what Biffy Clyro are like a modern interpretation. Where are they right now today? I don't want old shit. Like what are they now? And Cop Syrup is an al- is a song. It's the last song in the album, which it's just amazing. Like it's the the hard grungy stuff at the start. You know we're we're seeing echoes of original Biffy Clyro. We're mm-hmm. seeing Black and Sky. We're seeing uh, Vertigo Bliss. A lot of Vertigo Bliss um, actually rem- was rem- I was reminded of by by Cop Syrup. But then that ending sequence was incredible. The full yeah. orchestra and and I think it it it, it goes up. It it's it was. Um, I remember we talked about when Hans Zimmer did uh, a lot of the, the the soundtrack for Dunkirk, how it was like slowly raising in sound, slowly raising the sound. The the I forget what the name of that that classic or that. Oh, uh, the shepherd of, tone. The shepherd tone. I think they use a shepherd tone in that song. I think cop syrup. That's a shepherd. Oh, tone. I'll have to have a listen. listen I'll have to have I, a closer I listen. I've it's been it's been it's been a background play for me like a couple of times today actually because I only just mm. realized because I texted you earlier today because I only just realized that it had been released. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've only listen to it a couple of times so another another track another track which is really great and some really powerful uh, lyrics is opaque i think that's a beautiful track anyway over to you mate because i know you had some thoughts on this yeah well i mean not so much thoughts i mean you know i'm still kind of exploring it exploring it at the moment but i am much more pleasantly surprised by this album than based on the quality of the singles because mm. the singles came out, and I think even you agreed with me, and you're like the biggest Biffy Clyro fan that I know. Mm. I kind of said, "Is it just me, or are these singles a bit?" Yeah, I think that's always been the way. The, the way with Biffy Clyro, actually, I think. I think if you remember back to, um, uh, oh, I totally forgot the name of the. the nah, but you album. get like how Wil- wolves of yeah how no uh what was the previous album called i've totally it's, to, it's to, uh, ellipsis. ellipsis yeah I, well the first one that was released from ellipsis was. Uh, Wolves of Winter, and the first one that was released from Opposite was um, uh, We Have Achieved So Much More Than You Possibly Thought. We could, I forget the name of that. So, uh, not, uh, that was Wolves of Winter, sorry. The, the Stinging, Stinging Bell was the first one from Opposite. Really? Remember, Stinging Bell was yeah, the first? Sting, Stinging Bell was the first one released from Opposite. Interesting. Yeah, and I remember when both Stinging Bell and Wolves of Winter were released 
for their respective albums, they were mixed with very much um, mild, like mediocre, meh. But then it took the rest of the album to kind of put yeah, it into perspective. Yeah. And I think this is a, this has happened again. So mm. you know, I, I'm pleased because I think it would have been very sad if um, Biffy Claro released a dud album. I think I really mm. would have been quite sad at that, sad at that. No, it's definitely not a dud album. It's it's yeah. a very expressive album. Yeah. But uh, I did discover something quite cool when I was mm-hmm. trolling Facebook about earlier, and one of my friends who shall remain nameless on Facebook posted, you know, is it scummy Pete? No, no, no. Can't wait to be playing on this live stream with the magnificent Biffy Clyro. That's right. Yes. Uh, which is tonight. I think they were doing yeah. a paid uh, live stream performance of the whole album. And mm. one of my friends is playing the violin in it. Oh, really? With Biffy Clyro. Wow, that's amazing. I did not know that. Yeah, well, I didn't know that either. So I saw that and I was like, bloody hell, that's Are you watching it tonight? Are you going to watch it? No, you have to pay for it. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I can't afford that. (laughs) Rip it off the internet. I would love to, I'd love to support this. Unfortunately, I've I've got plans later, but I I would have loved, I would have loved to have yeah, I, I think I think it's an amazing thing what they're doing. I think Biffy Clyro have been a real shining light during this lockdown. They've been doing a lot of really cool and yeah. interesting stuff. Uh, they've been doing obviously a lot of the 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 uh, live sessions on Facebook and stuff, which Simon Neal has been doing um, some really interesting covers of a lot of their songs. No, I, I just think they're a timeless band. They will for all, forever be my favorite band uh, for so many reasons. They're they're true rock artists. They are true yeah. rock artists yeah, and they are, so. they are expressive. They have something to say in everything they do. Uh, no song uh, is without its um, inspirations of which there's some really interesting inspirations throughout. And I highly encourage people to go and listen to this album. Yeah, hard recommend for this album. And also, if you're just unaware of Biffy Clyro, just go and, go and listen to the rest of their back catalogue as well. I th- and I reckon that's probably a very good place to wrap up the episode what do you think yeah yeah i think so what do they have to do now alex i would recommend that they go on to the apple podcast app give us a Mm -hmm. cheeky little five star rating and perchance Mm. a review and Mm. you can actually do that in app i'm not sure if you're aware it's totally there it's totally there and unlike the biffy clyro live streaming it's free you you it's free you don't have to pay anything you can do it whenever you fancy. You know, like if you're up at half ten, you're deciding whether you want to watch Project Power or not. Before you decide, you can stick the review in there and then. It's simple. It's very simple. It's very simple. You can also give us a rating on Spotify as well. Mm-hmm. Which oh, can would you be, do that now? You, can you, you can? rate it? I think, I think you can now, yeah. Oh, okay. I think you can. You can. That's pretty cool. um, and we also have an email address if you want to get in touch with the show. What's the email address, Callum? The email is motionspod at gmail.com. Now, obviously, Man of Steel was your choice um, was. this week. And we did something quite novel. Obviously, we've changed now to the one film format, allowing uh, other segments like Moving Forward to kind of come into the limelight a little bit more. And it cuts yeah. down the episode. I'm size. enjoying it. Yeah, I'm enjoying it too. But I have uh, email requests for a series of films, which I'm going to be doing now. I think you're going to—you've kind of picked your lane, so to speak, haven't mm-hmm. you? For the next every th- sort of second week, I think you—we know where you're going to go. Yeah. Um, but as to the yin to the yang, uh, I am going to tell you what we're doing next week. Oh, go on. Based on a fan, uh, so this has been suggested for quite a few actually fans. We are going to be delving into the music and movies of Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg, and Nick Frost in the Cornetto trilogy. That's right. Next week, we are doing Shaun of the Dead. Quality. Yeah. Couldn't be more pumped for that. 
yeah, that'll be good fun. I might get Maddie to watch it with me. Oh, yeah. Will Elham be watching with you? Maybe not Shaun of the Dead, but I reckon no. there's a case to be made for <laughs> Hot Fuzz. Hot and Fuzz, yeah. Probably World's End as well. I reckon. Oh, Maddie, Maddie was switched off World's End instantly. I, I think I, tr- I started with that one because I think that's my favorite. But we'll get into. Oh, we'll that's into controversial. It. But we'll it, get is into contra- that. it is controversial. And I've got reasons why. I've got a very good reason why. Anyway, that's because you that like mint cornetto. That's why. Exactly. I love a mint. Do you know, <laughs> you just love, I love the flavour. Yeah, I love. I love a bloody mint. It's fresh in my breath. What Absolutely. Anyway, thank you very much for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week. Until then, goodbye now. All right, guys. Ta-ta.